I'm not supposed to be here. I was told I would die before my 28th birthday, yet I am 50 years old. I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother, and I have an amazing life despite living with two terminal illnesses. It's time for me to share my story before I can't. So here it goes. I'm Kelly Wilson, and this is my life in pieces. Hi, everyone. I'm here with a longtime friend of mine, Melissa Frazier. She is a holistic nutritionist. She's a yoga therapist, an acupuncturist, a small town girl at heart. She specializes in anti-aging and um, hormonal health. So hi, Melissa. How are you tonight? I'm good, Kelly. Thanks for having me. So tonight we're going to be talking about a journey that you've been on and uh, I'll let you tell everyone, you know, a little bit about that. Okay. Um, Well, I guess it's probably easiest if I start at the beginning. Uh, The first time that I realized that I wanted to have a baby, that I, I guess, consciously realized that oh, wow, I do want this. Uh, My sister called me. She's seven years younger than me. I have three sisters, but the one that is seven years younger than me called me and told me that she was pregnant with my first niece. My first niece is now nine. And so it was nine years ago. She called me with this news and I was like super excited, obviously. But at the same time, I I just started bawling my eyes out. I was, I cried for like an hour. And I was like, why am I crying? Like, this is a happy, happy tears. I felt very emotional. And I realized it was because I wanted this for myself. And I was actually, I was actually jealous that she was pregnant and I wasn't. And at that time I was in a, in a pretty toxic relationship and I definitely wasn't uh, in a place in my life and with a person that I wanted to start a family. So that was, and I was engaged to this person. So that was a, an eye opener for me as well to make some changes in that respect and get out of that relationship and, you know, start to position my life in a way that I would be able to have a baby or would want to have a baby with someone. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, my first thought on, okay, I actually want a baby. Um, cause I went through most of my life, you know, people always ask like, Oh, are you going to have babies? Do you ever want to have kids? And I'd be like, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'll adopt. I always said that my whole life. Um, so then once I realized, yes, I did want kids. Um, I just, you know, I got myself into a better place in life. And then I met a man who, um, who was actually a really good friend of mine for all through school. And, um, his mother was even my kindergarten teacher. So we'd known each other for a long time and we were good friends growing up. And then we didn't live in the same place for a very long time. Like I lived at West for 10 years and then I lived, I just didn't live in the community that, that he lived in for a number of years. We really lost touch. I probably didn't speak to him for 10 years of my life at least. And then we reconnected um, about six years ago now and uh, we're kind of inseparable that first time I ran into him, we've been pretty much inseparable ever since. And um, we were dating for probably about two years before I, before I started to really think like, okay, I really want to have a baby. And um, I guess part of that 
pressure or uh, yeah, I guess you could call it pressure. Um, or that's just the feeling like a, an internal drive in you, like I want a baby, um, call it hormones, call it whatever you like. Um, yeah, it came on around for a couple of years into our relationship, which was about four years now. And we started trying and I'm saying try in quotation marks because, you know, we were, we were having sex, we were having unprotected sex. We weren't doing anything else. We weren't like, I wasn't trying to prevent it. We weren't trying to. Yeah. We weren't trying to prevent it. We weren't trying in any other capacity. You know, I wasn't even, I've tracked my cycle my whole life. So I had an idea of when I was ovulating and that sort of thing. Um, But I wasn't like taking a temperature or like, you know, officially trying. Um, But nothing was happening. After a year went by, I started to get a little bit concerned and then a little stressed. And then as you can imagine, four years later, I'm, still not pregnant and the stress has has went in waves or come in waves and um yeah it's been a I I can talk about it right now and feel very kind of like matter of fact about it and lighthearted about it but to be completely honest it's been um probably the most challenging and the most depressing and the most dark times of my life have been wrapped up in this fertility journey for me and um you know it just feels like it's I have a very I have a a really different maybe some would even say a radical mindset around it in some ways but even with that even feeling empowered about it in a lot of ways it still feels so out of control and a big part of that initially was even between my partner and I because once it was not working uh, or we realized like, oh, this isn't, you know, I'm not getting pregnant as easy as, as um, we thought it'd be, or I think everyone thinks it will be, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. Anyways. Um, and once especially we... being two very healthy people. I mean, you and him are both, you know, uh, healthy and other than the few bags of chips you eat at the camp there on the weekends and stuff. Uh, Don't know if I'm uh, uh, talking out of school, but other than that, you guys are pretty uh, healthy people. Yeah. Yeah. And so we really just didn't think that it was going to be a problem. So once we realized it was, it was a problem, um, my partner really pulled away from me and I think I was putting a lot of pressure on him and he just was not ready for that. And, um, that was, it was a, it was really tough on our relationship for, I would say probably a good year, um, that we really struggled. And, you know, I was just like upset and angry and frustrated with him. And if he wasn't, if he wasn't like ready to go and ready to have sex with me when I demanded it, like I was just like, I was a little bit of a tyrant and uh, you know, it wasn't healthy for either of us. And then um, there was a conversation that we had just like, this really wasn't that long. It was within the last year. I can't remember exactly when it was, but we had a conversation. I guess I had to go through um, some realizations on my own or ask some questions of myself first before we could even before we even had this this conversation like if we can't so I guess I need to back step a bit so I've had all of the regular testing done my hormones I've had um like all of the testing that the 
OBGYN will do at this point. Um, and all the testing right. that I really want to do. I've had done. Everything looks good from their perspective. And um, so it's basically unexplained fertility on my side. My partner still hasn't had his sperm tested. So that's been like a point of contention between us for the last couple of years. And that was like part of me not feeling supported. And there's a whole lot of issues wrapped up in there for him. But what I've realized is that, A, he was scared. He was scared he was very uncomfortable to go and have it done in the first place. He was scared that if he got tested and there was something wrong with his sperm or it was low or whatever, that I was going to leave him. And, um, you know, it took a long time to like get to the bottom of what was going on between us, like what he was feeling. Cause he couldn't, he didn't articulate that initially. It took a lot of fights and a lot of tears and a lot of ups and downs for us to really like, dig out what was that underlying issue for him and why it was so, why it was feeling so challenging. And he still hasn't gone to be tested. Um, but I, I, I know if I make the appointment, he will go. I just haven't done it for a couple of different reasons, but that's kind of another topic. Anyways, so the, um, once I made the decision that I am not going to leave him, if we can't get pregnant. Once I came to that realization for myself that no, I wasn't going to leave. I was going to leave if he wasn't willing to try. And so right. once I realized that, uh, and I could articulate that to him clearly and tell him how I was feeling. And, you know, if you're, and I just spelled it out for him. I said, if you're not willing to try, you know, if you want, if you don't want to try to get pregnant, if you're, if you're just done, like that's okay, but I am going to leave. If you're willing to try and all that means, I don't want, I'm, I don't want to do fertility treatments. I don't want to do in vitro. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to have sex <laughs> on a regular basis <laughs> when I'm ovulating. So like, it's not like I was asking a huge amount, but just for him to be more committed, you know, and more committed to when it was, when it was important. And um, and I could see how maybe from a man's perspective, it would be a real hit on their masculinity. And mm -hmm. I understand the, the fear, you know, I think we always put the pressure on us, but mm -hmm. I, I think the fear that, you know, maybe not only that um, you would leave, but mm -hmm. the fact that he would feel maybe less of a man than what we perceive them to be right mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and um it's interesting because we do even even though i know better you still often feel like it's the oh it's probably you know we think it's us or we think it's the woman but it's equal amounts you know it really right, it's equal sure. equal amounts of problems can be going on so so yeah. it, mother's day just passed on sunday mm. and I know that you're a very positive person, but leading up to that, is there ever any anger or do you ever feel that, you know, you're just pissed off that it's another Mother's Day and you have not yet been able to become a mom? Mm, well, yeah, that this Mother's Day, I didn't really feel that too much. Um, but I was feeling a lot of other things and, um, yeah, but I have definitely gone through a lot of that just, just over the years, you know, whether it's at baby showers of, you know, cousins who are 15 years younger than me and having babies and, um, 
or whether it's on special occasions or whatever. Yeah, I've definitely gone through waves of that. Uh, Mother's Day this year, it was we we had that big storm here in New Brunswick, so I just was I was not wanting to shovel snow. And I used the excuse to my mother that I wasn't driving to see her because I was snowed in, which was legit. True. (laughs) So anyways, and I, um, but I had seen my mom a couple of days before. So, you know, I wasn't really that concerned about it. And actually one, um, I got up that morning and I, and my boyfriend went snowmobiling because we just got 15 inches of snow. And, and so I was (laughs) home by myself and I, and I was talking to my sisters and just saying, like, happy Mother's Day to them and whatever. And I was singing karaoke in my underwear, drinking coffee, just, like, having a party <laughs> here in the morning at my house. So that was kind of, like, my – I feel like that was, like, you know, I didn't purposely think I'm going to distract myself from thinking about the fact that I'm still not a mother. But I feel like just unconsciously I got up in the morning and was, like, what's going to make me feel the best today? And I love to sing. And so I was like, I'm just going to have a solo karaoke party here and drink coffee <laughs> with whipped cream and maple syrup in it and <laughs> love my life. And so, um, yeah. And then I got this message. My, I'm going to read you this text message, actually. I got this text message from my sister, Sabrina, the one who I had mentioned earlier, who, has, who had my yep. first niece, who's now nine. Um, she sent me a message that morning and said, just had a wonderful morning of, oh no, that's not the right one. <laughs> uh, she said, she sent me this little meme that says, here's to the moms. And it, and it shows like the foster moms, the stepmoms, the not yet moms, the fur baby moms, like lists over 12, nine or 12 different moms. And then she said, thank you for treating and loving my kids like they belong to you. It makes me, oh. makes me teary already just to say it. Um, they are beyond lucky to have their aunt Lissa love you. Uh, so oh. that was really like, I was very touched that she, she thought to send that. And she knows, obviously she knows and knows that I really want a baby. She knows that all the struggles that we've had. And so, yeah, that was very, so, very thoughtful. That was very sweet. Um, so let's, uh, Talk about adoption. You talked about from a young young age that you always thought that you would adopt a child. Mm -hmm. Do you still foresee that in your future, whether you end up having a biological child of your own or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do see that in my future. And um, now, now more than ever, I feel like I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year. And some people grow up faster than others. Not that I wasn't grown up or, you know, supporting myself or mature in some ways, but I definitely didn't. I was like, I don't think that they would give me a baby. (laughs) I feel like my lifestyle is too, you know, like I traveled a lot. I was just like, I've moved a lot, just fly by the seat of my pants kind of lifestyle, which wasn't really, I didn't think conducive to adoption and adoption agency giving me a child. Um, But now at this stage in my life, like my partner and I just bought a farm that we're fixing up and, um, we're going to have a place that's a little bit bigger. The one that we live in now is just has one big loft bedroom and we'd have to do some renovations to really be able to have kids here. But with the new place, um, I could foresee being able to maybe even take in foster kids. And that's something that I've, that I've always really wanted to do. And it's not that we're going to stop trying to have our own baby, but, um, to just research that a little bit and talk to some friends that are, that are in that, 
that world um, that are social workers and things and just, you know, started to look at what that would look like and just get that process started. So yeah, I'm definitely still considering both of those options, adoption and fostering kids. And, um, so what, what, uh, you know, what makes you kind of keep on trying and pushing through the disappointment? Cause I know, you know, myself, trying to get pregnant and every month getting your period and feeling like it's a big slap in the face and what gets you kind of motivated to continue on that journey? Well, my way of looking at, at fertility is that for starters, I really don't believe that infertility exists. I think that we are all fertile, but I look at fertility as, as basically another vital sign. So like heart rate, temperature, um, you know, our, it's, it's our other vital sign that we as women only have. And if it's, if there's something going on, if we're not able to conceive or we're not able to carry a pregnancy to term, there are underlying reasons why. And I think all of those can be addressed and, and fixed and worked on. And, you know, maybe not everyone can get to the point where they can where they can have a baby on their own. They may need to have in vitro or something like that. But I, I really, I really, that my, that mindset for me has let me use this, this challenge in my life as a tool. And it's probably been, I would say my biggest challenge in life. And, um, you know, I've had to face a lot of my, my own shit and, uh, really, really look at my life. And you said like, Nick and I are both real, both really healthy and yes, we are, but then there's always things to work on too. You know, like I, um, I have at times in my life drank way too much and, and I, and I do see that as something that I, that I manage, you know, I, I like to drink, but I do realize that it's probably not, I know it's not good for me. It's not good for my hormones. Um, it's not good for that balance. And especially if I'm trying to have a baby, like I really don't think it's a, a good thing even to be drinking a little bit. And so it's something that I, um, you know, try to keep on, keep in check. And then also um, it's something that I do notice that I, I use as a bit of a, mm, like a crutch, not even, not a crutch, but um, you know, if I'm going, I, I've noticed at the times when I've, when I've been having a really hard time with this, with this fertility stuff, I'll get a case of what I call the fuck it. And I'm just like, you know, I'll go and hang out with some friends and like blow some steam off. And that usually <laughs> means having a few drinks and um, yeah. And then there's just a lot wrapped up in that, in, in that for me, because um, my, my family members that don't have children were all alcoholics pretty much. <laughs> and so right. I have this like underlying fear. My aunt Winona died a couple of years ago and she, um, I just actually found out recently that she had a baby and our family doesn't even really know about this. And, but the baby died really, really young, like was premature, was super premature and died in the hospital. And, um, she had a lot of pain in her life. And I recognize now that, you know, she was masking that pain through her, through her alcohol use. And I just, I, yeah, that's something that's like an underlying worry for me is like, Oh, if this, if this doesn't happen, you know, am, am I going to turn to that? And, and I don't think I will. I just, because I have that awareness of it that I, I feel like I'm already working towards not, you know, that not being my, my crutch or my, um, 
what keeps yeah. me well i think i think knowing you for as long as i have how strong you are and i don't think that that would be an issue mm. um i tell me um because you're healthy and because you're so aware of your body and everything that you do nutritional wise um so what are you and and your partner doing to kind of help with the fertility process in your mind what do you think is is a benefit yeah so um the biggest things like stress and sleep and those kind of go hand in hand for me like if I'm not sleeping if I'm not getting adequate sleep and restful sleep I just feel more stressed you know I'm drinking more coffee all things that are imbalancing my system even more. So that's kind of the foundation for me is just making sure that I'm getting to bed at a good time. Um, during the week, it's easier, but then on the, the weekend comes and I'll, you know, I'll stay up till midnight or sometimes even later. And that really just throws, I feel it these days. It really throws my system out of balance. And so I've been working on like seven days a week, making sure that I'm in bed well before midnight, even on the weekends, like the weekends, I'll still give myself a little more leeway and stay up a bit later, but not pa try to be in bed definitely before midnight. Um, and during the week, I'm usually in bed by like 930. So um, that's foundational for me. And, and Nick's good too. Like he used when him and I first started dating, he would stay up later, he would, he would um, stay up and watch TV and fall asleep watching TV. But now, now he likes to come to bed early too. And like, feel rested when he wakes up and so it's been a it, that's been a knows, good he knows he has to have sex <laughs> yeah exactly he knows he's got to be feeling good and rested because I'm going to make him have sex with me <laughs> uh, so that's like that's pivotal um and then food wise just making sure that we're eating um, a good variety and and as close to natural as possible so we don't eat very much that comes from a box or a can um we meat vegetables fruit uh, we don't eat very many grains, although this quarantine has been, um, we've been a little bit all over the place with our diet. We, I've been buying bagels and we've been, I made homemade bagels one day. Like, so we've been eating a little bit of everything lately, but for the most part, we don't eat a lot of grains. We just focus on, um, on meat. We typically buy uh, grass-fed beef from a local farmer we buy um, like a half a pig a couple times a year. We, we, um, we get some wild meat. So we try to get as close to nature as possible, eat as close to nature as possible. We always grow a little garden and we buy from local farmers. And um, so that's really important to us as well. Um, supplement wise, we're doing a fair amount of supplements these days, which is kind of new for my boyfriend. So I have been, I have always taken a, a fair amount of supplements my whole life. Um, at least for the last 15 years, it's just a regular part of my day and my diet. And, um, I've got him on board and I'm giving him, he's doing like, it's kind of a male version of a prenatal. It's like a, an active male complex and I've got them on a, an antioxidant complex, which is, um, you know, the antioxidant vitamins as a complex, um, cod liver oil, uh, fish oils, mm, extra zinc and selenium, which are part of the antioxidants, but just a little more of those because they're shown to be important, uh, important nutrients that we are often depleted in, especially, um, for it shows, it often shows up in fertility issues. Um, 
that's kind of the main stuff. Um, what else are we taking? Uh, a B complex as well. Um, though that's important for just metabol overall metabolism and stuff. Um, oh, one more thing with diet that we're that we're doing is we so. My boyfriend's a little, he's definitely got a major sweet tooth and I've been trying to break him of that for a long time. And that the supplements that he's been taking, I have noticed that he definitely has less of a sweet tooth now that he's, you know, I think his body was really depleted and, and craving, just craving things, you know, craving sugars, craving everything. And now that he's, now that it seems like he's getting a little more balanced, he doesn't seem to be having as many, as many sweet cravings. So that's good. Um, but blood sugar can definitely be an issue when it comes to fertility because blood sugar and insulin are like, they're the foundation of our hormonal system. So if our, if our insulin levels are constantly spiking up and down because we're eating a lot of sugar and, and starchy carbs and things, then, then our, all the rest of our hormones are going to be spiking as well and spiking and dipping and, and out of balance. So, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely really important. And then, um, I said that we don't eat a lot of grains and I've just, I've read quite a, quite a bit of research that comes out of, um, a lot that came out of Spain and a lot that came out of Germany that shows that gluten sensitivity is actually linked to fertility issues as well. So that's a way that it can, you know, gluten sensitivity doesn't always show up as celiac disease. As you know, it can show up in a number of different ways. And, uh, for me, I know that I am gluten sensitive. Like sometimes it, it shows up for me in like skin rashes and things. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it could be a factor in fertility as well for me. So I just want to be extra cautious and I, and I, for the most part, stay away from gluten. Gotcha. And, and Nick, Nick basically eats what I eat. So he stays away from, I haven't read any research about gluten being related to male fertility. Um, but I, I feel like, I feel like we're very, we're more comparable than not men and women, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. So I know you're still very much in the thick of this and, you know, uh, hoping that you can conceive soon, but, what would you tell other women, um, other women and men in your situation that are struggling to have a baby? Yeah, um, I would, mindset is huge, um, you know, and for me, I had mentioned that I, I don't, I don't believe in infertility and that's for a number of reasons just you know it's yes it's a chosen mindset um that i i really think that everyone's body can be brought into a i think we're all born fertile you know for the most part maybe there's a small percentage that have some something that's going on that prevents them from that but um you know that that mindset has really been empowering for me so yes it's a chosen mindset but then also even just like the research and like i I'm an acupuncturist and I really subscribe to the traditional Chinese medicine principles and the Ayurvedic principles of balance. And, you know, they, those teachings, those ancient wisdom schools of thought tell us that, you know, all systems can be balanced and, you know, it may take for some a year, it may take 10 years, but that's the belief from those schools of thought as well. So, um, yeah, I would just say like, you know, if you can get out of the mindset of, of infertility, because it's really disempowering. We give away our power to, to the specialists and the doctors, and we're looking for someone to fix us. Instead, 
shift your mindset to how you can make yourself more fertile. What things do you have the power to do? Um, and it's just like any illness, like, I don't want to say it's an illness, but it's like any issue, any health challenge we're having. The doctor isn't the, isn't really the one that fixes you. The massage therapist isn't the one that fixes you. Like you see these people for an hour a week or a month or 10 minutes a week or a month. Like you're the one that lives in your body and you need to do the work day after day, meal after meal. You need to get the movement and go to bed early. And, you know, you're the one that, that really has control of this. And even if you're choosing to do fertility treatments and you're choosing to do IVF, you're going to have so much more success with those things if you take your overall health into your own hands and get yourself as healthy and as balanced as possible. So that would be my, you know, it's I, for me personally, it's been such a, uh, an empowering way to look at things as a, and as opposed to, you know, the disempowering model of just handing it over to someone else to fix for me. So wow. that would be my suggestion. Well, thank you. I admire you mm -hmm. for that. And you, you are, uh, you know, you are just a big pile of strength as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that children, and I've said it before, have come, they come into people's lives and whether that's adoption, biological, foster children, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, any child that is welcomed into your and Nick's home will be a lucky one. And uh, I wish you all the best. And thank you so much for um, being honest and, and, uh, bringing your thoughts to this podcast tonight. And like I said, I wish you well. Thanks, Melissa. Thank, thank you so much for having me. This has been the first time I've really shared this journey publicly. And so this feels, um, this also feels really liberating and empowering for my journey. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.